Today's word is Mark chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old, a worse and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskin. This is the word of God. Love having, um, especially college students, welcome back. And I love having some of you guys back. And thank you. I really enjoyed praise this morning. Um, it's great having a full band. Um, I, I, I thought the keyboardist was especially very good. And so uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Right. Um, today, um, um, we're looking at a passage. So for those of you who haven't been um, walking with us, especially like youth or college, we're looking at a, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark in this series called Lord and King. And we're looking at this passage. It's a very deep and profound passage. It's actually not an easy passage to preach um, because it's about strange things that's odd for us, fasting, wineskins, wine, <laughs> like, you know, most of you guys are young, so you're like, I, I don't drink, I don't have nothing, I don't know anything about wine. <laughs> None of us know what a wineskin is, all right? And so um, th- these are, this isn't an easy passage, but what I really, um, just to, to, to frame this, I want to ask you a question, because this is really what this subject matter is about, what Jesus is getting at. Is your life and its activities and habits, your life, is it a genuine container for the new wine God wants to offer you? Is your life and its activities and habits a genuine container for the wine that the Lord wants to offer you? So you're like, I, I didn't know we get wine. You, you know, the wine isn't um, a literal wine. Sometimes, you know, we have the Lord's Supper and we, we drink a wine that Jesus offers. It, it represents something important. The wine that Jesus is offering is his life. It's a new life. And you're like, how does that done? It's, it's literally of, of his spirit. His spirit is being poured out. And so there are things that if you look at life, Primarily, what we're wrestling with in this passage is religious activity. (laughs) Is the religious activity and the things that you do that you think is Christianity, is it really something that where you're receiving the, the, the life that Jesus, the life that Jesus is offering into your life? Is your life a container to receive this life? Or are you really just doing religion? (laughs) Okay. And you're like, oh, well, I don't just do just religion. I believe in the gospel. I'm a Christian. Don't be too fast to think that. 
Everybody, especially if you become a Christian and then you are a Christian for a while, and then especially if you do church for a while, it is very, very easy to do Pharisaical religion. It is the, it's sort of like the, the default thing that our heart tends to go to. And so these passages that we're looking at, they're challenging. They're challenging. They're, they, they, they take your mind to look at not just like, well, well I just do this thing because now, now I'm a Christian, so I just do it. No. It is really a heart check. What do you really believe inside of you? Not just the activity that everybody can see that's happening on the outside of you, but what do you, are you really believing is happening on the inside of you, and what are you seeking? So that's the question, okay? So in this message that I've entitled, The Container for New Wine, <clears throat> in three parts. Part one, comfortable habits of religion and external righteousness, okay? Comfortable habits of religion and external righteousness. Part two, favoring the old wine. Like, what does that mean? Um, you know, you all like getting your Christianity a certain way. <laughs> you all like doing your Christianity a certain way. <laughs> and guess what? It can become a dead and pharisaical way. And, here's, and you can start to like the old way because it's becoming old and dead, and you don't even realize it. This is something I see. I've been a pastor long enough now. It happens again and again. It's like why churches fight. It's really sad, but it's true. Right? So that's part two, favoring the old wine. And part three, um, we're going to learn to drink the new wine. Learning to drink new wine. You know, Jesus... Jesus isn't into the old. It's really interesting. Jesus doesn't have to repeat. He isn't just interested. Let's just repeat. Let's repeat, repeat. So oftentimes Christians are always trying to go back to the old. Let's get that thing we had in the past. Let's go back to the old. But actually Jesus is interested in giving us new life. Pouring us and offering us new wine. More of himself. right? Because he's an infinitely renewing God. Okay, let's go. Part one, comfortable habits of religion and external righteousness. So let, let's just talk a little bit about fasting because the subject matter is first about fasting. So um, they're saying, hey, the disciples of John the Baptist, those guys fast. These other people who are very serious about, about faith in God, they fast. But your disciples, why don't they fast? Jesus, what's up with that? All right? And Jesus gives a really weird answer. Now, um, Let's just talk a little bit about fasting for a moment. Um, fasting, so it seems almost like Jesus is doing away with fasting. In one sense, in a sense, um, he's, doing away with he's not doing away with the practice of fasting in and of itself because later on there's, you know, there's ways that you know, fasting is encouraged in, in different ways. Jesus later on talks about, like for instance, if you wanted to get rid of a certain kind of a demon, the only way to do it is through prayer and fasting. So he's obviously not getting rid of fasting as a practice altogether. Um, but what did fasting represent in this time? That's what we have to wrestle with. And then that's the thing that people do again and again and again. Now, here, here's what I think fasting represents in this time and what Jesus is disrupting. Fasting is the thing that the people who are really serious about God do. People who are really serious about God they do this thing. Now, 
And it's interesting because it is a kind of act that requires some suffering and deprivation. And so only the really serious people are going to do it, right? Um, have any of you guys ever fasted? Any of you guys ever fasted? Um, I have fasted, and, for, um, and, 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 and I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really it's pretty painful. Um, the first meal is not too hard. The second meal is starting to get harder. And then somewhere between skipping breakfast and lunch at about like 4 or 5 o'clock, it just gets like really miserable. Okay? Um, and, then, and then somehow, it's weirdly around dinner time, I'm okay. And then especially if you fast the whole day, like a couple hours after dinner, then it gets really miserable again. And so I've never fasted like two, three, four, you know, multiple days. I've talked to people who do, and they say the second day is just, it's like dying. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay, I've never quite experienced that. So this is what they're talking about. And Jesus says, this is the, this is the part I want us to wrestle with. Right? Jesus says, well, I'm the bridegroom. And when you go to a wedding, who the heck is going to not eat and drink? Have you guys ever, ever, anybody go to a wedding and fast? No, right? When you go to a wedding, you eat a lot. <laughs> you eat, you drink, some of you dance, and some of you don't dance. You should all dance, even if you're not a, bad, a good dancer, because that's what weddings are for, okay? It is absolutely celebratory. And, um, and Jesus is saying, the thing that you've always been longing for for your whole life, to be married and to be beloved by the person you most want to be loved by. See, you know, in our culture, the bride is the star of a marriage. You know, everybody is excited because, you know, she's gorgeous. Um, but actually, in, in proper biblical understanding, in the biblical understanding, the bridegroom, the groom is the star of the marriage. You know why? Because all the Jews understood that we're the bride. <laughs> and you know what we're looking for? We're all looking for the one who will love us forever. That's the bridegroom. It's God himself. And so what Jesus, first of all, what he's saying here is completely, it's, uh, it's really, it's a wild and radical thing. So if you've never heard this, I mean, Jesus doesn't go around, he's not just some good teacher. He said, if you really want to accept what he says, you, you start thinking about this. If you grew up in the church, you're like, well, this is Jesus, and since he's Jesus, everything he says makes sense. But if you did not grow up in the church, and you actually pay attention to what Jesus says. You're going to sit there and go, like, what the heck is this dude talking about? Is he, is he on crack? <laughs> Who talks like that? <laughs> okay? There's only one way. He's either, he's either on drugs and he's either whacked. He's basically saying, I'm the one whose love you're looking for, whose presence you're looking for, and that will fill your heart forever. Ladies, I mean, some of you, girl, I mean, you, won't, you won't admit it. Maybe at your age you're like, some of you are like, okay, especially young girls, you're, um, you won't admit this, I know. I know you don't admit this, but you're like, I wish I had a boyfriend. <laughs> I just, if I just had that boyfriend, he just loved me. And then when you grow older, it's like, oh, oh it's like i got to find that perfect love. But actually, it's not just a girl thing. All human beings were like that girl that's longing for her, her special man. And you know what Jesus is saying? I'm him. I'm him. And when you're with me, you don't have to fast. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a funny thing. In this is a conflict. 
between that vision of what it means to know Jesus. Jesus is not interested in like, do this little activity and then like, if you do this little activity, you're okay with me. But the people who are challenging him and asking about that question, this is just all that they see. <laughs> so this is really weird. Like, the people who are serious about God do this. You understand? <laughs> so we're not talking about like the weak sauce people. The lazy people, the serious about their faith people do this activity. So then it's really kind of weird. Like, so I'm trying to think of an analogy that would be in our world. Um, like if you grew up in like, a, especially in like a Korean type church, um, you know, the, the serious people, for instance, do dawn prayer service. <laughs> they get up in the morning and, you know, like, and they sacrifice sleep and then they'll do this and then they have a habit of doing getting up and, and praying at 6 a.m. My dad has literally done this for years, okay? Um, and you know what? I don't do it. <laughs> and why don't I do it? Because the point is not for me to have to, cause, cause, because, well, honestly, because I hate morning, <laughs> okay? And so, like, I love Jesus, but I hate morning. And so, like, I get up in the morning. I'm, I'm just one of these people wired for late night and not for the morning, and so, like, you know, like, I'm not a person who falls asleep easily at night. And so then I'm not, if I wake up and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've only had five hours of sleep, Jesus. And it's, I'm not coherently going to be talking to you, okay? And so the point is not to do some, you know, serious piece of religion. <laughs> so to demonstrate that I'm serious about God. And then if I'm serious about God, then everybody, then I, I, I did this serious thing that was hard. I did the serious thing that was hard, and I can do it, and now I know I'm good with God, right? Because he saw that I do serious things, and then... But this is really where it gets really interesting. You know, a lot of us, if you do the thing that, that people recognize as good Christianity, like the thing that everybody on the outside looking at and go, oh, that's Christianity. Like that's a per the thing that serious people do when they have faith. And then you, you and I, we do them, and especially if you do them habitually, over time, you know what they become? They start becoming our righteousness. <laughs> if you do this thing, and then you do that, and you especially, maybe you even like doing these things. I can't possibly imagine getting to a point in my life where I would like to say, I have done, you know, dawn prayer service and um, in times, and, you know, mostly the first 10 minutes, I'm just like, hating that it's morning, <laughs> all right? And then, and then after that, um, then I finally, you know, like my brain kind of wakes up and I realize it's really good to be up with Jesus this morning, right? But mostly that's what it's like. But maybe at some point in my life, I might actually like it. I don't know. I might actually like getting to a point where I fast, maybe. But the point isn't whether you do some piece of religion. If you do that thing and go, Hey, now I know you're a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. And we could do this all, at all kinds of different levels. So let's put it this way. A person who's really, really serious might fast. Or who's really, really serious might um, go to like every activity inside church. They'll wake up in the morning. They'll go to all the small groups. They'll do the quiet times. They'll do all the stuff. Okay, Maybe that's one way of looking at it. Some of you are like, okay, I'm not that serious. I'm just serious enough to like just go to church pretty much most of the time. So some of you are like, you will, you will set the, your fasting, your equivalent of fasting is you go to church every single week. 
And sometimes you go, you even are serious enough to go to like um, small group. Or like for, for the younger guys, maybe it'll be like, you know, Friday night or Wednesday night or something like that. And so because you do that, now I'm a serious Christian. And, and, and then it's a very interesting thing. This is how you can know if you're becoming more of a Pharisee. First, it's just when you start comparing yourself to the other people. To other people who don't do it. Then you start going, oh, I'm a serious Christian and they're not. I'm a real follower and they're not. Now you know that you're doing religion. And yet when you're starting to get that heart, so you can't tell by the actual activity. Let's say 10 people show up on Friday night at your small group or something like that. Right? And they go, okay, and you go, okay, they're all there. Well, some of them might be doing comfortable religion and external righteousness more than they are there saying, I'm a vessel, Lord, pour new wine into me. You get what I'm saying? And then this gets really interesting. Some people have such a really low bar. It's like if I go to church at all and believe in Jesus and give some money, then I'm being a really good Christian. And then, so they're like, that it's, people are really strange, okay? So some people go to church like once or, you know, twice a month or once or, you know, and then they go, and then, but that thing is the thing that makes them a Christian. Really? And every, whatever level you're doing this at, you're just doing, you're just saying, I'm just going to be this vessel for religion. And you know what Jesus is saying? What you really need is me. And the thing I'm going to have is, is to be with me and for me to pour my life into you. That's the thing. Now let's go to part two. Um, I want to offer you part two. I want to wrestle a little bit with this favoring old wine. Some of you are going like, Pastor, do we really, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not a person that, I'm always interested in the new stuff. <laughs> I, want, I want new life from Jesus. Of course I want new life from Jesus. Come on, Pastor, right? But um, do you know how to receive it? Do you know how to let your life be a vessel for it? Or are you a person that really just favoring the old? Now, um, I preached on the, the Luke passage of this before, and I want to I offer you a verse. It's really interesting. There's a, there's, a, there's a verse that's in the Luke version of this passage where Jesus is talking about old wine and new wine, skins and so forth. And, and, but in Luke 5.39, he says this way, No one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. After drinking the old wine, he doesn't actually, he goes, oh, he doesn't actually desire the new. He actually likes the old. He actually kind of, Jesus is kind of like really pushing it a little farther. And I want to um, challenge you um, to examine what you like when it comes to faith. What is it that you actually like and are looking for when you practice in various different ways when you practice faith, are you just wanting the old wine or are you actually looking for some new life that Jesus wants to pour into you? And this is the really interesting part of it. Our life isn't just, it's, it's about the habits that you do. The things that you do, is it, 
Is that the actual faith, or is it the thing inside you, like, this is me practicing my faith, or is it really a container? Because that's what wineskins are. They didn't have, like, well, they certainly didn't have plastic. And they didn't have glass. What they did was they had, like, skins. <laughs> and then over time, the wine would, like, mesh to the skin. But then if you poured out new wine into the skin, the new wine would, like, react with the skin, and then the skins would tear. It's like the, 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 the container itself would reject the newness. What I want to do is um, give you just a couple of examples of, uh, of how we do this. How we do this, all right? And so um, example number one, how we try to hold on to the old container. You hold on to the old way of like doing our faith and then really... What, we're, what you find out is you're not actually trying to receive Jesus at all. You're just trying to practice the old religion that you're just so comfortable with, right? So one way is this. So you go to church for whatever reason you like you're the church that you go to. So here's what we do. In our mind, we say, I like this church because I love Jesus, and I love the way we worship Jesus. That's what you say to yourself inside your mind because, hey, I'm not a Pharisee. I, I, I'm, I'm a person who really believes in Jesus. So this, is, but then here's then something very interesting happens. Then you graduate from high school, and then you have to move from that room over there to this room over here, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like the way they do. It's weird. It's a little different. In other words. All of a sudden, the container changed. Okay? So, then this happens, so this happens again and again. So, how about if you move to another city? So, you live in this, so maybe, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like challenging high schoolers here. You know, a, a lot of the reasons, so, that, so I'm, I'm just going to be kind of like mean and blunt about this, okay? Some of you, you will graduate high school. Some of you, um, you know, seniors, you're going to graduate high school very soon. Then we're going to invite you into a new container to drink new wine of Jesus. Because now you need to drink new wine of Jesus when you get to a new stage of your life. Okay? And then what's going to happen is, but then you're going to be like, but, but, but nobody, like, you know, like, everybody's old in here. Or like, you know, the style of music is different. Or I don't understand pastors. Or, you know, there's all these different things. And some of them may be true. And some of them you think are true but you're actually just really deep down, deep, deep down, whatever you're complaining about just boils down to this. I just like the old thing. <laughs> That's all it boils down to. So I've been a pastor a long time. I've seen this happen again and again and again and again. And then they go, oh, but, you know, if we could just be a little bit more, I mean, of course we have, should be more loving to you. You know, we try, okay, and we do. So we listen to that feedback, and then we work at it, okay? But, you know, come on, we're, we're like very imperfect human beings, but then, but then they go, but then how about change this? Or how about change this? Or how about change this? So then as a pastor, over the years, we hear people's feedback, and then we try to change something. But then you know what we, you find? About out of 10 people who will say, give their feedback, about 7 out of 10, the feedback is BS. <laughs> the feedback is a lie. And here's the weird part of it. Out of the seven out of the ten who give that feedback, four out of the seven believe their own lie. 
That's real. Four out of seven actually think, well, this is really the problem. It's not the problem. <laughs> the real problem is you just liked the comfort of the youth group. <laughs> you liked that when you showed up at church, what you really liked, you didn't really come to church for Jesus. What you really came to church just was to hang out with your homeboys. <laughs> That's really what you liked. <laughs> so what you really liked was the old wine of hanging out with your homeboys, not really coming to meet and receive the word from Jesus, know Jesus, be loved by Jesus, love other people the way Jesus calls you to love them. And so, but then, but we don't actually say that. We're like, well, you know, I just don't like it because it's like different, like the way it was. Nobody says that. Because then that would just be too raw of a piece of hypocrisy. It would just be so obvious that you're just like a pharisaical jerk. So who says that? And you won't say that to yourself either. But we all will do it. I've done it. So I'm kind of like, you know, like picking on the high school seniors here. When you're older, you will move to another city. So in one city, you liked your church, you liked your pastor, you liked your leaders. Then you're going to move to another city. Then you're going to go there, and then you're going to go, okay, I've got to find a new church. So then you visit one church, and, and, the, and, this, and the preaching is totally boring. <laughs> then you go to another church, and the preaching is pretty good, but the music is really boring. <laughs> and then you go to another church, and the preaching is okay, the music is okay, but the people are kind of like hard and crusty. Ugh. And then you go to a fourth church. You're like, oh, the preaching is okay. The music is really good, right? And the people are really cool and loving, but there are no good-looking girls here <laughs> that I can date. <laughs> now, of course, you don't actually say that. <laughs> you don't actually say that. You don't actually show up and go, oh, but I walked into the room and there were no prospects for me. <laughs> You don't actually say that, but deep down in your mind, you're like lonely because you know, like, you know, you're single and like, eh, and you're like, <laughs> so you're like, ah. And so, but you don't actually say that. And when you show up at church, you're like, a church is where I got to go find that love of my life. And like, well, there ain't no prospects here. <laughs> right? And so you don't actually say that. And so you just go, well, that church is just really isn't for me. I'm just not feeling it here. It's all BS. It's all just pharisaical. I just liked it the old way. <laughs> but Jesus brought you to a new city. And Jesus is still Jesus. And Jesus is saying, drink the new wine now. <laughs> I have a new church for you. Go receive the new church. I have a new leader for you. Receive the gospel from him. I have new brothers and sisters for you. I even have new music for you, <laughs> right? And I have new experiences because I'm new. I never get old. <laughs> Will you have faith in that? Can you have faith in that? And the ones that go to a new city, so this happens again. So I, 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 like I said, I picked on the, the high school seniors that go off to college. And then it happens after they go to college. They're like, oh, I love my college fellowship. And then they move to a new city. And then, and then they're like, Oh man, you know, because like it's like your fellowship was great because everything was geared to 18 to 22 year olds. Every and everybody there was an 18, 22 year old, and there were a lot of good looking like guy or girl prospects. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you go to this church and like 
you know, you, you, you notice that you know, people who graduate from college all of a sudden want to go to young people church? You know why? Because they're all like pharisaical BSers, <laughs> just shopping for their old wine. Now, not all that way, of course, but a lot of them are. A lot of them are. <laughs> that's, that's real. And then so people fall out when they're 35 or 45 just because they just get fixated on the old thing. Which means now your life stop being a container, a vessel to receive Jesus' new wine. And instead, your life just started to just say, I just like what I'm comfortable with. Okay? I'll just give one more example before I go into my close mind. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep this one short. Um, this is a little piece of marriage advice. You ever notice how, like couples, they date, and then they get married, and then dating kind of stops? <laughs> you know why? Because, because all of a sudden, like, you're boring. <laughs> I know everything about you. <laughs> Five years in, 10 years in, 20 years in, you know, all this, you know what needs to happen? It's, is like, now the dating is sort of like became religion. The thing that's missing is the life inside the relationship. That's what's missing. So um, I think if you get married, you need to renew. It's kind of like you have to kind of like do dating anew. It's kind of like you need to have a, you need to have a new way of doing the relationship. Because the life inside the relationship is the thing that really, really matters. So if you do dating exactly the way you did it before you dated, you're, so some of you actually, let's go back. I will do, I'll put on the clothes, and then we'll do exactly the same. I mean, come on. Maybe that will be fun once or twice, but then it will just really be kind of like lame and pathetic. <laughs> but I'm just giving you something. I'm, I'm giving you this picture because we don't just do it with Jesus. It's just kind of like how we are. We tend to get fixated on the external habit when the life inside is the thing that matters. See? So renew your dating. Change it. Or don't do dating. Do something else. New wine inside the, inside the relationship. See? All right. We've got to move toward the end here. Let, you know, let me close with learning to drink new wine. You know how you learn to drink new wine? You must have faith in the gospel. When you do whatever activity it is for Christ, you must be, be like, you're like, remember that we're here for Jesus to receive new wine, which is to say to receive his spirit, to receive life from Jesus. Here's the promise. You know, the gospel is that I was a sinner and Jesus came and he interposed his blood and then I became forgiven and by grace I was accepted by him, right? So now I'm like, I have like a totally forgiven and like accepted status. That is the gospel. So now I can just be lazy and do nothing? Come on. Really, actually more of the gospel is now that Jesus, so that I could give you new life. Not tomorrow, now. I can give you more of my life now, by grace. And how do you receive it? By faith. 
It isn't the external thing, like whether it's fasting or going to church or going to small group or whatever it is. It isn't the activity itself. You understand what I'm saying? It's not the activity itself. What it is, is will you do the activity in faith as a vessel to receive him? Will you do the activity in faith? And here's the great thing. He gives himself to you again and again and again and again. You can go to church. We all get kind of like this. And over time, you can get kind of crusty. If you get crusty in your faith or dry in your faith, that's probably a good sign that you're stuck in the past. That you're kind of stuck in, because you don't know how to drink the new thing or receive the new thing. And so you're so fixed on the new thing, you're like, man, you know, I just want to go. I just, I just had this great feeling of when I would sing the song and I would feel so close to Jesus. But like lately, the music isn't really doing anything for me. Like that's the kind of way I was. You know, when I was, when I was, in, when I was um, a younger man, I basically went to church. You know, most of the time, of course, I'd say, I'm going to church for God. Mostly, I kind of wanted three things out of church. First was I wanted the music. I wanted something inside the song to make me feel good. <laughs> feel like, oh, the Lord is close. Like, and you guys know the difference, right? Some, I'm not saying the feeling is bad. But there's a difference between the feeling and the real presence of Jesus, right? Is there a difference? Oh, there's a big difference. You cannot have a feeling, and Jesus is absolutely present. And then you can have a feeling, and you think he's present, but you're just, you're like, the music is just kind of like doing certain hormones to you. I mean, come on, right? It's like, the, the people up front are just manipulating you well, because you're like, you know, like, when the, they go, dum, you know, the keyboards go, dum, dum, and you're like, oh, oh, you know, Jesus is present. I mean, come on. Okay, so you think Jesus is present, but you, all you're really just doing is just like, oh, give me that feeling again. So if you're looking for the feeling, you're just on the old wineskin. You're looking for something out of the religion. That's one thing I used to like. Second thing I used to like is the sermon would do something for me. I like, like whoa, <laughs> that, that was kind of cool. But let me just give you a little secret about, about preaching and sermons. After a while, you're going to learn big chunks of the Bible. You're going to hear a lot of the same stuff again and again. So, is it learning something new? Is it something being impacted? A lot of it is actually just a reminder to have faith. And in that thing that maybe you've heard a hundred times or even a thousand times, Jesus will give himself to you anew again. Do you have faith in that? Do you have faith in that? Will you come and bring yourself to that? And of course, the third thing I always liked at a church is just being with my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like hanging out with them and feeling good, right? Well, there'll always be a period in your life when the people at church just, they just don't do it for you. Maybe because of them. Maybe it's because of you. But here's the incredible thing. Jesus is always there for you. And he doesn't change. But the life he gives you changes. You know why? Because we need it to be new. Trust that the new thing that he's given you is a new thing you need. I mean, you were a five-year-old. Wouldn't it be weird 
if your parents kept giving you five-year-old food, <laughs> it's like, Hudson, sit down. Let, let's read, you know, let's, let, let's read the, 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 what is that, that caterpillar book? <laughs> huh? The what? The very, Hudson, let's read Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. It wasn't that great when we used to read Very Hungry Caterpillar together? He loved that book, by the way. So, wouldn't that be weird? But here's the great thing. Jesus doesn't just forgive you and then just says, okay, now you're all good. He is coming to be with you. Again and again and again. And then give you something new of himself. A new word. A new heart. A new perspective. A new friend. A new relationship. Maybe something you never possibly thought could have changed inside yourself. Like, I'm just, I'm just a worrying person. That will never change. But then Jesus goes, okay, you've been living like this for 20 years, but that thing, that part of you where you always worry, 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 we're gonna, I'm going to kick that out of you. And you know what? And then for the next two years, you and Jesus fight. Because <laughs> you want to hold on to the old wine. It's going to worry, worry, worry. Control, control, control. But then Jesus is going to be like, Nope. The new wine. Will your life be a container with faith to receive the real person so he can give you a new wine of himself and you can live? Let's pray. You forgive us, Jesus. We know you forgive us for our sins. But there are many times we are sinning and we don't even know it. In fact, we don't even know it because we're being Pharisees and we don't even know that we're being Pharisees because we think, I like it this way. And that's when I was good. And this is how I know it's good. But it's really, it doesn't have anything to do with you. doesn't have anything to do with you. Forgive us, Jesus, for constantly using religion and habits to prop up our own righteousness and our own comfort zones and not seeking you, not receiving from you, not looking for you. And thank you that by grace you constantly come at us anew. You give us new food and new word. It's strange. It could be a word that we knew, and so we think it's an old word. It's a verse that we heard a thousand times, and somehow in you, it becomes new. We thought, I've sung that song a thousand times, and yet today, It is new. Would you pour out your spirit in us and help us to throw off the shackles of old wine skin, old wine desiring religion and run after you. Give us yourself. We sang it today. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Help us to mean that. Help us to love you See you, receive you. His name.
ประมาณ